Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Lund. Welcome back to the Real Triathlon Podcast. Today we have Sarah Crowley and Dale Travers. So I'm sure if you're a fan of triathlon, you know who Crowley is. She finished third at the Ironman World Championships in Kona in 2019. And Dale is pretty much her full-time videographer, photographer, media. He is building his own triathlon media empire right now. We're going to sit down, talk to them. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to make the interview, but... They had some great insights on kind of what it takes to raise the bar in terms of media and where pretty much the professional triathlon scene is going and the expectations that are going to be set. So kind of listening, guys, get an idea what goes on behind the scenes. So tune in, take a listen to when Jack and Nick sat down with them. So here we have our guests today. We have Sarah Crowley and her best pal, Dale Traverse City, Michigan. No, it's <laughs> Dale Traverse. Traverse? Come on. Travis. All right, there we go. I knew that. Crowley. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, I, I said it wrong just because it was on purpose. Um, we've got Jackson Laundry here as well. Garrett couldn't make this one. I think he's uh, getting ready for hockey season up there in Canada. <laughs> No, he's in Michigan. <laughs> oh, he's in Michigan. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, anyways, we're really excited to have Sarah. She's So we're in St. George right now. Her and Dale have been taking over our swim lanes. Um, <laughs> they no longer have any place to swim because they're just, they've are just they got all the great film equipment and they're just take, kicking us right out. All the locals are complaining too. But we're, <laughs> we're super pumped to have them here. Sarah, welcome. First off, and that was a long intro. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, Dale. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. The only way I could get him to, to come on the show was to promise him a delicious meal. General Tso's chicken. General Tso. That was delicious. Thank you. Thank you for the compliment. Um, so anyways, Sarah, obviously you've had a crusher of a few years, um, performance-wise, everything. You know, you're in the U.S. now for a good amount of time. Um, can you kind of like give us a little bit of background on, you know, what, you know, obviously we saw you dominate Kona really well I mean I'm sure in your opinion like every triathlete you're like well it was kind of shit day I took third <laughs> you know or whatever it is um but we just want to know like give us some background tell us about you and you know let our listeners know what you're all about um yeah well I guess I'll wind it back to why I even do triathlon so a long time ago I used to run and swim um and then when I was at university I watched an aquathon actually at Glenelg my hometown in Adelaide and uh thought it was amazing so i signed up for tri club so i was actually an age grouper for a number of years like maybe three or four years until i was about 23 just missed under 23s um but then yeah i sort of got to the point where i raced 2007 age group worlds in hamburg and it was interesting the people on that list if you anyone looks it up but you know annie harg and a few others were actually racing in the age no way yeah same year so um, I had a really great race, faster than any I ran, just for the record. For the record, uh, yeah, you ran faster sure than any. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, look, I, I went back and I was like, maybe this is something for me and I probably could do better. And in Australia, everything's sort of focused around, well, all the training bases are centered in Queensland. So I had to move. Um, 
So I moved up to Queensland. I took the leave of absence from my job at Deloitte um, and trained full time for two years um, in the Queensland Academy of Sport um, with our one of our in one of our high performance programs. Wow. Um, and raced for Australia in the World Series for a little bit, and then hurt my hip. Um, at the same time, Deloitte's like, "What are you doing? Are you gonna ever work for us again?" Um, my succumb, well, my leave of absence had come to an end, so I went back to the firm in Brisbane, um, and then I kind of like moonlight raced on the weekends, doing half distance triathlon for a while. Um, but I always felt like I was leaving something on the table, so. Um, anyone that knows me knows that some of my results in the shorter course um, definitely weren't the run was not an issue it was always that I was running from behind so far um, because I had some good performances in non-drafting Olympic distance like the Noosa try Um, Mm. in fact in 08 I think I was third behind Emma Snowzill and um, Emma Moffat so yeah like names yeah so um yeah and then I met well whilst I was training full-time the first time I actually met my current coach and he was an athlete at the time Uh, and we'd always stayed in touch but when I went back to work he kind of went off he actually uh, retired from racing and went into um, become a director sportive for a cycling team in Australia one of the continental teams and some of the things he learned while he was doing that have been beneficial and that's actually why I'm in Utah because they raced at the Tour of Utah um, yeah one year and he thought it's a great place to train so that's why we come here every year but basically um yeah I guess I got to the point where I needed to um you know find out if I could do better and Cam had returned from the director sportif whatever manager role and was in the his uh I guess he was starting out coaching and so um yeah I mean we'd always been in touch so he would always referred me on to oh how to get an Ironman license or we'd always had those messages like he would always be helping me in fact when I actually finished the first time he said oh you should do long course I know a guy which is probably Brett Sutton that could yeah. coach you <laughs> that would improve your swim but anyway the rest is kind of history like we you know we obviously then worked together for a year in 16 and then really started to see some results in 17 18 when I started to really improve in my swim and I think I put together one of my best races in Hawaii in 19 um, compared to 17 where 17 we were uh, Heather Jackson and I were racing, but we we're kind of like holding on to third as opposed to, you know, that I was legitimately in the mix for that race mm-hmm. in, in 19. So um, yeah, it's good to see that progress. And I guess now is kind of working out when's the time to pounce on that fitness level of, of where we were at then. Um, Cause it's still quite uncertain with everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So essentially the last couple of years have been like when you really started to feel like, holy shit, I've got everything to prove now. And I actually have a good crack at just taking the championship to the next level. Hmm. And, you know, what, what were the defining moments during your training programs or, you know, what kind of made that feel like it was going to happen? Um, well, it was always a progression with the swimming. So um, I was fortunate enough that whilst Cam was developing as a coach that I had access to Brett Sutton as well. And so we worked pretty hard on my swim to improve it. And Cam at the same time was learning a lot of things that some of my teammates now benefit from that a lot more rapidly because Cam has that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like there were a few races or times, I think I did a race in New Caledonia and my name came out over the sound speaker and Annabelle Luxford sort of hit the fence because I was so close that she was like, I, I shouldn't say this, but you know, I have 
all rights to emphasize what I want. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> she may or may not have, but no, it was a shock to everyone that was there that where I came out from in the water in the start of 17 and there were the kind of moments and then you start getting on people's feet and then in 17, it was still a shock for me, but I got out in the front pack in mm -hmm. Hawaii and you're like, well, okay, now we're done. We're right where we need to be. There's always little throwback races, of course, where you don't perform and that happens, I guess, to everyone. But um, there was so much for me to learn with the swimming. It wasn't just the technique, it was strategy and Absolutely. all those sort of things in swim racing. And I, I think I can relate. Like there was parts early in my career where I was just surviving the swim and I'd be like, well, I don't know when when or where anybody is, but eventually you get awareness when the, in the swim to, to make moves and to mm -hmm. cover moves and mm -hmm. to know oh, I know who the hell that is over there. I'm going to go get on their feet instead. So mm -hmm. that to me makes a big difference in every pro's career when we finally get control of the swim and we can set our, our whole day up after that. Yeah, slow motion and where so you can see what's going on. And and also just even just techniques and, and things for different types of different types of swim starts, um, like where you should line up and, and those kind of things. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess all that learning I never had. Um, and I think it's because of Cameron's background in uh, swimming himself. Um, he's a very good swimmer in, and also he's, uh, he observed a lot of some of Australia's great swim coaches. So, yeah, um, yeah I definitely don't – we completely re-engineered re my swim stroke. So it's like an egg beater now. It's like not what you would expect. I, I guess I've seen it, and it's, it's like rapid beating of the water <laughs> yeah, over and over. Legs. Yeah, yeah, it's – Just punching my way through it. it yeah. I mean, it looks so fast when you're just even going easy. Just You're just turning it over, and it's obviously incredibly valuable to your performance. Yeah, I mean, I guess I can take advantage of my VO2 max from running and stuff and just get the arms <laughs> going really fast. But I do have a good vertical forearm and stuff now, like for any yeah. tech geeks out there, like my – um, there are areas maybe at the back where I could push the back a bit more, but, um, you know, compared to what I had had where my arm was dropping like significantly in the water and stuff. So what we've done is, has made like clear changes where it matters. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's not pretty above water, but underwater it's what matters is happening. So absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so just to be like, to give our, our crew who's listening a little bit more insight. So Cam is, he manages the Hill District right. coaching group, and there's a good lot of you who are doing a lot of really incre incredible racing. So mm -hmm. there's something to be said about his technique and how he communicates and really works well with every individual athlete. And I've seen it kind of like just bits and pieces. And it's you know every if every athlete had that type of relationship with a coach, things would be much different. And obviously that's why we see world champions come out of these types of programs. So mm. no matter what, like yours just seem to be in such a good space that I can't see us slowing down or stopping or losing anything. Yeah, we were very lucky. Um, I think Cam's greatest skill is that he's very observant and that's a lot of coaches learn how to coach, but they don't actually, you know, it's all just reciting knowledge, whereas he's a very instinctive person. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where he can see that something for one person might not be even though it might not be very far from another person, it's not the same for everyone. So, yeah. And then those little individual nuances over time make big differences for people's progression. Mm -hmm. So, so looking back at Kona, the last Kona that actually happened back in 2019, mm -hmm. um, when you had such a breakthrough day, mm -hmm. what were some of the moments when you were like, holy shit, this is happening and this is my position and I'm going to keep it like, cause I mean, the last 10 K of that race are just always up in the air. So, run through that 
Well, I guess the way we progress this season is that you know you're on form. Like, you know the day before a race or leading in how you're going to perform on race day. Like, you know for yourself. Mm-hmm. So um, I knew that everything I was doing in training was at a higher level than I'd been doing previously. Although having said that, the level of the women's racing has improved. But I guess, um, yeah, so we'd race in Vietnam. I'd race Holly Lawrence. I'd gone to Roth and I'd race Lucy. So we knew kind of where we're at um and so I went in very fairly confident in the morning I knew what to do I'm not um it doesn't stun me that race anymore like I don't think it ever really did I never had the oh Kona Ooga Booga kind of even though I respect it as Mm -hmm. one of the hardest grueling races on the planet it's like I never got frightened of it or anything like that so um yeah I got off the plane and I'm like oh yeah you can smell it you know what the humidity the place feels like Mm -hmm. and you know that um yeah if you're fit you know you're ready um and so I guess yeah during the race um obviously getting out the water in the main bunch is important um didn't work together that well which was a little bit concerning because you'd see Lucy going away. Um, yeah, she's always relentless, like attack. She just fights no matter what on the bike, um, which, you know, that's a massive credit to her. She's out there completely alone. Um, so I guess she, yeah, she continued to pull away and then you could you knew that there's some top, top riders like through, and you sort of bracing, brace for Danny to come past as mm-hmm. well, but that didn't happen. Um, but yeah, like you got Samler and, you know, Laura Phillip working together or whatever and coming through. Um, I guess once we got off the bike though, everything kind of, you just know the numbers, what you're capable of, you know, what other people, if they're around you and they're running and you're running at a pace and you've been training at that and you know what they're like, it's unlike, you know, it's, you sort of know how it's going to juggle out in that Mm -hmm. top three or four and the reality of that race is there's probably only three or four people that if you were having to ride through from seven minutes behind you're unlikely to run faster than um the people that have had the luxury of being in that group Mm -hmm. um i guess though there were moments i guess when i annie came past me and i knew she was just running faster i'm like well i knew she'd been injured and i was like well maybe she's just going out too hard and i was like well she can hold that she's gonna win this race like good good on her um i'm like well i'm running good so i'm just gonna hold this and then i saw annie pass lucy in the energy lab and i um she cheered me on actually it was kind of weird she's like you can do it too or something like this and I was like interesting okay well and then but the problem with that was then I was drawn to Lucy and I probably didn't race to my um because you just kind of packed it in for a second well no I just tried to catch Lucy as quickly as possible Mm. in case Annie bailed um and so I was like, well, yeah. And I was drawn to that motorbike because you can see the up the road and it's, you're drawn to it. And you, I guess maybe I was running just a, I don't know if I was running a fraction too fast, but I definitely skipped a tiny bit of nutrition, maybe one gel. Um, and the moment everyone saw, which was me passing and then repassing, mm-hmm. I guess is literally just a bad patch that everyone has. And we're not talking like a super epic bad patch. We're talking a four minute, 30 kilometer compared to four minute or five kilometers for every yeah. other one. So it's a slight uphill. I mean, I'd be loving to run four thirties like in this part of the season, mm-hmm. you know, on a long run, it'd be great, mm-hmm. but you know, and that's sort of the level that it's at. Um, and that, that obviously then was, well, and I guess Lucy had the benefit of having that gap where she's probably chilled a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so she had a little bit extra and she powered down Polani. Um, that was, it was gone once she got over that hill. Yeah. But yeah, that's pretty much, 
I feel like I put it all together. There was probably a moment on the bike where Sam Lacourt and she went to the front and she drove really hard and the group broke up and I didn't know this. And I was in like, I was behind her and I could have pushed again and we might've lost Annie. Annie, because she was behind um, Imogen and Imogen had stretched out. And so that was a real opportunity for me probably to possibly even win the race. Yeah. But I didn't have that instinct. I was completely <laughs> busted. Basically, we were yeah. riding. It's you're constantly on the river, so yeah. It's uh, yeah. It's not like pro cycling. We've got like earpiece on and know what the hell's well, going on. Well, that's it. <laughs> no, you definitely don't. And you're trying to manage feel. Um, it's not easy. Yeah. Well, I mean, you pull it off really well considering the circumstances. And mm. I'd say, like, even over the over the last few years, I've enjoyed watching. The majority of the women's race more than some of the men's race just because it's just the tactics that play out are a little bit more obvious and mm. when someone's going and when someone's just playing chess and reserving a little bit more till the end and you mm. always see it come together a little bit differently when the guys are just like everyone blows up yeah, yeah. Guys, <laughs> again, until i'm on the side of the road <laughs> it's just so much ego yeah well, i think the the women's race is not time trialing anymore it's a legitimate race so there are groups and things and yeah. there's yeah there's different things that can happen in the women's race. So that obviously will change with different athletes that come through, but the dynamic at the moment with Lucy going out and then these bikers and, but there's no super bikers so much anymore. Everyone's got to be faster and the times are coming down. And some of, I mean, we looked at when I think Danny in 17 or 18, maybe it was 18, set a time that's faster than Mark Allen or Dave Scott or something in their era. So It's like the women are racing as quick as the men, basically. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it is. We do catch the men's field. Yeah, you do. Mm. It's, I mean, whether, and, and obviously it's been a big, interesting point for me to, to have, you know, female friends who are in the race. It's, it's a different level of dynamic you all have to deal with and mm. intermingling with the tail end of the men's race or mm. even some of the age group races. Like, mm. I don't know, that has to be frustrating yeah, I mean, I think now the front pack's so much faster that there's no real – I don't see anyone having that ability to rely on that as something that will get them to win the race at all now. They're, they're too fast at the front, basically. Yeah. It's like if you're not in that front group and you're riding like a 450 or whatever it is or yeah, 445, you're just out. It's 440 low now, actually. Yeah. You, you're, you're not going to catch that up waiting 10 minutes for the men and then hoping that some guy is going to – String you on. String you on and actually be able to – See, how I look at it is I train so that I'm better than the best age group male. Mm-hmm. So as long as I'm better than the best age group male, no one's going to impact my race like that. Yeah. That's that's how I see it. That's so, fair. Yeah. So perfect. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. We haven't had any really ex- conos to watch. So I oh. think everyone should go watch that again. If you want to see what's really happened and get the play-by-play, you should check Sarah out again because – I don't know. I remember the big, the big glasses coming across. That's what I remember the most. <laughs> I was like, that's Sarah. <laughs> like, it just like was an epic race to, to watch. So anyways, now you're here in yeah. Utah. We've, we, I guess like, we fast forwarded all we the way through 20, skipped a whole 2020. year there. Yeah. 2020 what, <laughs> when is 19 and 21. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we, no, <laughs> no 20, yeah. so what do you want to ask her about 2020 Jack? Well, what did you do? Did you crush it? Did you? I know you did Daytona champs. Didn't go yeah. as you had hoped. So like in a few sentences, how did 2020 go? Just, you know, in terms oh. of mental state <laughs> training, just like good, bad, you know, why? And like, how are you going to crush this year? Well, I think for me, I 
turned my focus a little bit away because I wasn't sure when the racing would return. And I'd actually raced so hard up to the end of 19. After Kona, I raced Noosa and I was racing for like a second place against some ITU girls. Oh like my gosh. In the Noosa try. And then after that, three weeks later, I raced Arizona. I'm like, I'm going to kill and crush everyone. And I had a brilliant race, but I was cooked. And so for me, I was always going to take an extended break from uh the intense training after arizona and Mm -hmm. at the end of that year so then covid hit right like just getting back into training in like march or whatever yeah Yeah. and then it was it was like all kind of a mess so plans canceled up more plans and then yeah that's it and so for me i was like well can i put the training in some sort of it's not so much a physical training holding pattern it's like a psychological training holding pattern Mm -hmm. in that when i apply myself to my training I'll just about kill myself. And so I put myself in such a hole when I'm training and psychologically that is not easy to hold, maintain for like long periods of time. And so I'm like, well, this is kind of what I've already done in career breaks during my previous career. I'm like, well, this is an opportunity now to just, just put the pens down a little bit on the psychotic training yeah. and <laughs> maybe be like a little more human for a, yeah a just months. for a little bit and then but then that kind of backfired a little bit of an injury and then i couldn't get myself back up to the level i needed to be before some races actually turned on like cans and daytona it feels like a lot of people had the same thing happen too a lot yeah. of top performers got injured during... how do you get injured when you're not even training hard yeah. what <laughs> it's like, it's like makes no sense you stepped off a curb wrong that's (laughs) too much going out to dinner yeah it was too much going out to dinner (laughs) no so you know like that year is just and now though the good thing is is that i had sort of the reality check of daytona where i you know i mean i guess you know it was going to always benefit some and not others a lot of the people in that field we've all raced each other in itu most of the top from that in that race the quality was so strong it's like if you timed your year good for that you know you're obviously going to benefit from that but Mm. The long to be in the sport with longevity look when we're now looking at no races still until another six months perhaps um so now is kind of my time to press the button and i'm starting to and that was my little bit of a checkpoint really was daytona and now um yeah i just wasn't uh part in in all honesty to myself i wasn't putting the effort into what i needed to do to be at the level um, well, we can't blame you. Not, not many people were. Um, yeah, but it's on. definitely not an excuse. It's just what I chose to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're, who knows? And it might be the best thing you ever did. Now you're going to come back even stronger because you didn't have a tremendously terrible, hard. No, psychologically, I'm yeah. fresh now, yeah. which is what I needed. And that took a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then also in 2020, um, you know, if we look back at a lot of your, your, I guess, content, social media, all the things that have been going into that, like you had a huge success in 2019. So of course it's like, now we capitalize on mm-hmm. the success, the training, people want to know how you got there. Like us, of course, we're mm-hmm. on that bandwagon of wanting to know this story. So you and Dale started, you know, how did you guys start to come together and conglomerate into building such a strong dominant media package? I mean, cause when, when you look at what you're putting together versus the majority of every professional athlete, it's like, we're talking about preschool versus like Harvard graduates. <laughs> so how did, how did that come to be? And why is it so damn good? Well, I guess um, my entire career, like I'd worked with management before. Um, I'm pretty much self-managed, but I'd worked with management in the past and um, it always lacked the PR component, which is the piece that having a business background, which I do is that, well, I can deal with the, I, I'm, I enjoy 
actually yeah meeting people and hooking deals together and all this sort of stuff but uh the pr piece is something that i just physically am incapable of doing for myself um and so um dale happened to be going well he knew a mutual friend of mine who's my bike mechanic um who said oh hey do you do you know this person and she might need someone to help and i was like well this is perfect because i tried and failed in a lot of different ways for producing what i thought was should be the level mm-hmm. um and then yeah q dale and then basically we've just been working together ever since yeah, yeah so, so dale like your experience obviously is spoken through your work we can see it's just incredible but what made you really see like holy cow there's professional athletes out there in triathlon world who have a lot to offer and they're doing nothing with it like what gave you that like intuition um i kind of fell into it really because i was i've been working for a commercial advertising business for about eight to ten years and i love shooting sport and i never got our clients were sort of like corporate and mining and all those kind of the the big wigs and i really wanted to push myself more into the sport because i love riding i love running and swimming and stuff and so i wanted to shoot more sport so i knew there was definitely a market there and it kind of worked out that I was freelance for about six months, sort of pushing my own work. And then Sarah came back from Arizona and she's like, well, I've kind of need this, need this possibility of someone pushing my media. And I was like, well, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. The chance to someone to take one person and shape their whole brand is a huge opportunity for a creative because you can, you can direct the narrative. You can make it however you want, as long as it works out with exactly what she wants as well. So, so yeah, we just started with my background, I guess I, I take, quality uh, with my experience I would say that I have a lot of experience in shooting lighting and creating brands so um, I looked at what she had and where we wanted to get to and I said well what's your goals what do you want to do Um, and then we just started working towards that which was quite intense we didn't really know when our first meeting I basically said what do you do if there's no races where does your income come from Mm -hmm. um what, what does it look like if there's no races? And she's like, well, that's where I get a lot of my income from. She's done really well in a business background. So she has set up her business quite well already. And with the, off the back of her racing career, it was, it was a lot easier to open more doors, having a celebrity to pitch brands yeah. to. So, um, so then, yeah, I just started, all right, let's go do a couple of shoots. What, what brands do you have? What products are you using? Each one of these is a potential client for me. Let's go shoot. Our first shoot was, a canyon bike mm. and then form goggles was the next one um and then we just shot the form goggles video we sent it to them they said it was the best video they've ever seen great new client let's work on let's yeah. build off that and work with other brands from there so it just kind of steamrolled yeah um then the plan was to travel with sarah for the next year for all the events that she had my she goes well what event do you want to come to and i'm like well, what do you got Here's my whole year. Let's plan it. Come to everything. This is 2020. Yes, yeah, this is at <laughs> yeah. the very start of 2020. <laughs> so I was like, okay, that sounds great. Let's start working on the brands. And then we didn't end up traveling anywhere. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, well, Sarah, I guess we're going to have to do a lot of filming in and out of supermarkets, getting your car washed, <laughs> right? You know, cleaning your bike that never gets used in an outdoor <laughs> yeah. trainer. Yeah. Yeah. the trainer again, the trainer again, and some more trainers. Yeah. I guess I saw, for me, 2020s was highly successful because it gave me the opportunity to create almost as much content as we could yeah. without pushing Sarah too hard on the training side of things. And it was a huge leapfrog for us now in 2021 that it 
puts us almost two to three years ahead with our content, but we would never have had that opportunity if I was due to her training schedule. You've been full on. I think, I think like if you look at it, yeah, like, you know, initially you're like, oh no, everything's fallen apart, but really we've been able to do things that is probably, you know, like, yeah, some of the stuff that we've been able to do, we definitely wouldn't have been able to do it with definitely not no. with all the training and stuff. So no, your training schedule now is even very hectic compared to what it was. So yeah. because we have something on the horizon, but back then there wasn't anything on the horizon. So it's like, well, and it forced us to probably do think about how to do things more creatively. Even I think, like probably, we have to. I mean, because yeah. imagine, I mean, like if you're a professional triathlete, the goal is performance and winning and taking your career to the highlight of everything, and then. You've got Dale like, whoa, whoa, wait, do that again. I got, I didn't have the, the camera on or something like that. He's like, well, bring off, Dale. I'm ready to just get this training session done with. So yeah, I'll be the first one to admit that the training needs to be first and foremost. And photography and video is usually very slow and boring. And for that process to happen to maybe get one or two shots can be a few hours. Yeah. And I'll be the first one to admit that's boring and it's non-productive except for the outcome of the product. So I've always maintained that you could never do that with full on training. Mm -hmm. Like, and I don't want to have anything to do with the training. It's between her and a coach. Um, I don't know what has to, I only know the hours that she puts into it, but other than that, I try and stay well away. Yeah. You're in the bubble, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, you know, huge applause to you all for capitalizing on circumstances that were, I mean, not necessarily capitalizing, but just making the best out of 2020. And I feel the same way as far as some of the things I was able to do and have different levels of fun instead of just thrashing yourself against the same wall over and over you're like well i guess i could probably go run that new trail that i've never always wanted to go do or something so Mm. good good on you too and even you know jackson same thing you were able to put a race together and make some i guess mud out of dirt i don't know how good it was but (laughs) well yeah you just not only did you guys take advantage for yourselves but when you create all this content that's really high quality and you did that on a on a covid year when a lot of people just packed it in and didn't do anything. Yeah. And now it not only is it that you have all this content that's better than what you probably would have had if you were more busy, but the level is lower for everybody else. So you're kind of setting yourself up higher. And that's kind of what I tried to do in 2020 as well. And I think everybody who really, you know, was able to capitalize took advantage of, oh, well, I still race here, here, here. I still did these photo shoots, video shoots, you know, created this content, you know, approach this new sponsor, whatever the case may be. If you were out there doing something, you were elevating your game compared to everybody else. Yeah, I think it was the time to do it. And from a photography video point of view, I had a few people doing, turning their side projects into proper businesses because they might not want to go back to that sitting at a desk for 10 hours a day. It's like, oh, I actually want to make my passion my real job. Mm -hmm. And I think in every, all the sport and the people running races, I think if it was a time to capitalize on things that you didn't have time for before. Mm-hmm. And those the capitalize on 2020 are the ones that are going to be ahead in 2022. Yeah. Not so much now they're working their way towards it. But um, if you sat around and you waited for things to happen, that's the, you'll <laughs> wait for the rest of your career for things to happen. Yeah. yeah. And it's also, I mean, it was a great opportunity just to personally challenge yourself. Like I challenged myself in so many ways last year that, I think now you go, okay, I'm back to racing, but you, you're bulletproof because you've pushed into all these areas where you really had to fight your way through them. And so, um, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people gained a lot of like confidence out mm-hmm. of that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's chiseling. I mean, we mm. all have this vision of ourselves until we're really just really stuck in the gutter mm. and we got to crawl out and redefine our purpose. And like, I think 
all in this circle here, we're like of the like mind of we had to make some freaking wine out of this dirty water. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it, it worked out great. And you know, moving forward with you two, like are you you planning to hang out in in the in the states longer? You know, what is kind of your game plan? Because we know that races might happen. Um, <laughs> we know for sure. I think for sure, like. I've said this probably every podcast and I was like, oh, this race is going to happen. Uh, I was always out. That's but, good. But we're planning to go to, I mean, I know I'm planning to go to Miami. So there's one a challenge Miami. I think that's going to happen just as I know the organizers and I know that even NASCAR is like, this frigging thing's happening. So yeah, with the success of Daytona, it's yeah. a similar style event. So. Yeah, we've, I mean, Ironman and Challenge have proven that races can happen in a safe manner. So you know, if Disney World's open, you know, and people are flying on airlines and the malls are open, why can't we yeah. continue to take care of ourselves on this level and keep the triathlon economy going? So, you know, what are your kind of key focuses for this year? Yeah, well, at the moment for me, it's just about getting back to the level of fitness that I need to be to be at the world level. So uh, every day I'm getting up and concentrating on that as the first priority. It's like, what can I, in fact, why am I sitting here doing a podcast? But like, <laughs> uh, uh, dinner was involved. <laughs> yeah that's true you fed me a very healthy meal so <laughs> no but that's what i'm i'm making those choices now it's it's about getting up it's getting my body in the right shape my mind in the right shape and every everything is about putting money back in the bank mm -hmm. to being a better athlete and being back at the world level um so for me that's the goal and you know obviously we came out to race daytona um to leave australia is very difficult you have to go through quite a significant process around like actually getting approval to leave so mm -hmm. um yeah look i mean getting back in as well is like a big quarantine you pretty much have to get picked up from the airport and take you to a hotel and you have to stay there for two weeks and i'm not prepared to lose two weeks at the moment with where i'm at um especially back after daytona if i lost two weeks yeah um i've just you know had such a fragmented year in 20 with the training so um, yeah, well, I mean, for now, it's about just really isolating myself. And that's why St. George is amazing. I've, I've always trained in Salt Lake and Park City, but I'd never been down here. And um, it's, it's warm enough. It's no, 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 it's terrible. The roads are oh, bad. Sorry. People are mean. The food's terrible. It's like Adelaide. Like everyone's <laughs> like, oh, when they go there, they're like, oh, it's amazing. But don't tell anyone. Yeah. Yeah, Adelaide, <laughs> go there. Yeah, everyone's Tucson, Tucson's better. That's where everyone's Yeah, goes. yeah, go there. Go to Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like that's, and that, you know, that's kind of what I'm focusing on at the moment. That's my goal until, you know, if, if Miami happens, I'm going to race it. Um, and then I'll choose after that. But I'm very hopeful that some of the European races will start mm. and that will be the next sort of yeah. thing back here probably. But in yeah. terms of competitiveness, anytime I've raced in Europe, it's just like, that's the show. Like it's, oh, yeah. it's a bigger game. That's all that matters. Yeah. 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 All these people you haven't heard of and you're like, oh, I'll probably beat them. And they're just unreal. And yeah. Like, mm -hmm. they're, they're literally <laughs> minutes they're so good. ahead of you from the gun. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. That's the challenge. It's to be able to be competitive in Europe, I think, because that's how that actually happens quite a lot in Australia as well. Like you can be a big fish in a small pond and never race in Europe. And then you go to Hawaii and you're so far behind because you never even checked in to mm -hmm. see where, where you're at in a race that doesn't matter as much. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so for me to get to Europe and try and see where I'm at. Yeah. Which is why you always want to sign up for a championship. I always um, race championships. Always. Yeah. yeah. You always want to see Make it, yeah. how you are against the best in the world. Yeah. Um, Cause then ultimately that's what your end game is there in Kona. Mm. Um, but as far as like, you know, capitalizing still on the, the film aspect of it you know do you have big you know plans to 
create some really cool content that you know people should check out uh yeah so basically for me it's while sarah's putting in the next six months of training i'm uh, doing a lot of recaps for sponsors last year um plus here you guys don't talk st george up too much but i think it's amazing <laughs> so yeah, there's yeah. so much content here um and expanding the business sort of almost away from sarah um to some extent while she gets back into the training side of things so incorporating other athletes into the photography and video side of things uh the more people i can help the better people the better people look the the higher the content is everyone gets better everyone gets more money from their sponsors mm -hmm. they'll expect more um they all hire us for new all their products all the new things so for me it's full steam ahead um in that aspect with picking you guys as well like meeting up and shooting with you guys has been fantastic um expanding that helping people out because i have that knowledge of the 10 years of commercial advertising experience and you guys are all athletes and you're too busy training and you i see you're running around with a gopro and you're trying to train and film and create these edits and i mean that's determination that's that's a lot more than what i do um and it's quite difficult to do that so if i can expand my knowledge within the industry in a way uh raise the level of everybody's help anybody out that needs help uh then the sponsors will pay more they'll look a whole everyone will look a whole lot more professional and attract more viewers to the sport when everybody's more professional yeah i i think that is probably no one has ever said that about our sport yet so thank you we want to exactly. we want to make ourselves look really good probably as high as the high-end sports you can consider like there's hundreds of million dollars in those budgets for advertising and we're probably dealing with pennies so yeah but um, you got to start somewhere yeah, yeah it's good that people like yourself are motivated enough to push their own brand and do that because a lot of people aren't yeah and the the five people that are pushing their own brand they'll be ahead by the end of the year and then the next year they'll set themselves up to get advertising budgets for their own teams and their own yeah their friends for that want to be sponsored and uh, stuff like that so it's like racing if everyone's racing better then it raises the level and if you lose you lose to someone better you don't yeah lose to someone whatever so if everyone's better it makes everything better it makes the competition more fun to watch too that's right yeah, yeah. Um, so then the more money comes yeah yeah well and you know hanging out with you two i've already you know spent most of my budget on uh, <laughs> just some lights <laughs> so dale and nick just have these conversations and he's like oh i talked to dale for 20 minutes and i spent another five grand uh, <laughs> on uh you know ordering this giant light this thing's about it's got to be three by three feet just just what, what's this like? It Tell almost looks like light. an emoji sun, except for it's black. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, like, if it was yellow, it, it would be it. a yeah. sun. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's supposed to replicate a sun. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's things like when you draw a sun. It's but I think that it's with the with new equipment, like anything, it makes it's an investment. Yeah. So if you guys spend more money on chains and wheels and tires, it all gets you faster across the line better. Right now, for creatives, if you can spend more money in investing in new equipment that you know you need you will be better than that next person. It's a race, yeah. it's all a race. Like yeah, it's yeah. all being better than the next person. So, yeah. but again, if we group together and we raise the whole level, then everyone will be better. So yeah. it's awesome. Well, you're proof, both of you are proof that it's happening. I mean, I think we're gonna probably see, I mean, we know, I, I hung out with Jan in Austria a little bit before Ironman Austria and he's doing the same things, you know, mm -hmm. he has, but he has a bigger budget, of yeah. course, and mm -hmm. he's got six people doing one thing instead <laughs> yeah. of just, half a person doing 30 things like yeah <laughs> but it's happening um and our sports being elevated and it's because of guys like you dale who have the vision for it um and for willingness of sarah to put herself through the rigor 
of dealing with all these photo shoots every all day. Time. <laughs> all right, Dale, you take daily picture. <laughs> We've gotten better at it though. We haven't we done much. We didn't in the done much lately. Have you ever had a big fight about a photo shoot where you got a train or something? No, never. You always win them. I think the closest when Sarah was going to crack was on the new Canyon shoot for the new Speedmax. We were <laughs> on the Bonneville Salt Flats. Yeah. We she was at the end of her tether on that one because it was. <laughs> Really, it was freezing and it looks beautiful. It looks sunny. And you delightful. have to check that out. It's on your Instagram, it's on your yeah. website. It's the, <laughs> the new Canyon Speed Max reveal. And I was like, no, we can't do it in winter gear because it won't look as good. So yeah, let's freeze so, it and her hands froze to the bars <laughs> while she was riding along and I was flying the drone. And she basically said, I'm done. I've so. never cracked at anything in my life, by the way. I don't remember any time in my life where I've stopped <laughs> in the middle of something and given up. No, <laughs> What's that? How cold was it? Minus 10. It was about minus 10 Celsius. And she was on the neck. So yeah, I. No. We put all that stuff on Sarah's IGTV and we actually did a whole behind the scenes video of that as yeah, well. It's incredible. And she was ducking in and out of the car to do the shots because it was so cold. Oh, thank you, up. Andrew, for the jacket holding. Yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of what we had to do, but Canyon put our faith in us to shoot that video and we got budget for it and we had to get it done. So that's pretty, other than that, I mean, I would never push Sarah into anything she didn't want to do. Of course. Um, and it was her idea to not use winter gear. Well, it wasn't our idea. It was more of the art direction of the shoot. <laughs> Need to look summer. It definitely did not look like winter. Like I no. thought it looked yeah. pretty warm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for it's, acting like you were warm. It's the old, <laughs> it's the old swimsuit models. They shoot the summer collection in the winter and the winter collection in the summer. So, so um, you have to shoot it before the season comes. But it was, it, it was an awesome experience, and we tried to do our best on it. But mm. other than that, um, it's usually at Cam or sarah's discretion when we shoot so we usually plan a couple of days in advance yeah uh, always the training comes first and if she's too stressed out we just cut it um, yeah we've ne i've never felt like i needed to do something sometimes i guess maybe last year i was like fascinated and interested in it and so yeah. i was probably doing it more often um whereas now i'm like focused so much on my performance and getting myself back to my fitness that really we are doing enough what we will do is probably only things that are convenient. obligated obligations oh, sponsor requirements and, and yeah. they're so convenient the and things so but also we've improved on our process for how we go about it mm -hmm. too um i think i do all the planning i basically mm. find out where the sun lands what time of day it's going to be so i minimize the stress on the on sarah and i a shot that would normally take uh, i'd say an unprofessional but a lot longer it's like oh let's see where the sun is and stuff i plan everything down to almost a minute yeah i've seen it and it's literally like five minutes on the bike get the shot done and then we're done yeah so and yeah. it's maybe during a cool down when it doesn't matter anyway yeah and i've That's learned right. to look in the correct directions and yeah. like yeah so we, we do put a lot of stuff out on social media it does look like that it takes a lot of time but i think through experience of a professional athlete and a professional photographer you can refine that process and it can take a lot less time but a lot uh, larger results i guess with training you refine your training yeah it's less time but it's stronger training it's kind of like what we do so uh, it comes with the comes with the experience that we have so yeah and i think yeah i guess that's one thing that people probably don't really understand from some of the stuff they see it's like it actually is really quite efficient mm -hmm. and i would never put myself in a situation nor would i ever ask anyone else to feel like they're exhausted and they don't want yeah, to do it do a shoot. Uh, and if we ever felt that way we just definitely just wouldn't do yeah, it wait yeah wait until another day let's can it there's another day there's always sunrise tomorrow yeah, yeah.
Well, cool. Hopefully. I mean, <laughs> the bars, the bars, pretty friggin' high for anyone out there. And you have to check out their stuff on Sarah's website and Dale's website. They're just incredible. We'll put the Instagram yeah. links in the show okay. notes too. It'll all be in the show notes for you to just peruse. And there's lots of funny videos just, on there where she takes a TT bike on an off-road adventure. Not <laughs> my do, fault. We do a 10k <laughs> run on the cliff line, and I twist my ankle and almost break it at the 4k mark, and I have to run the rest back in torrential hail and rain. Yeah. It's all on there. It's a lot of fun. That's awesome. That's why you do it for the for the bare grills type stuff. <laughs> a lot of it's unplanned, but it some somehow works out that way. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you're just running along, you get hit by a drone. You never know. Oh, yeah. We didn't <laughs> get footage of that. that I've got footage of that happening for me once. But not, was Dale not was flying not that. flying that drone. That's Damo Collins. We'll know all about that. Ooh, a few years ago before I came on board. Yeah. Um, well, we're super pumped to have you in St. George. I am specifically because I live here. It's all right, I guess. Hang out. <laughs> Check out the, the photo shoots are coming up. We're going to have some of our athletes. Dale's taken, he's given us some big favors, putting Absolutely. us in some photo shoots for the Real Tri Squad too. So Yay. there's already some up there. Of uh, you, you put you put a couple things out of Leslie and Kelsey. So we're going to try to It'll start with the good looking people first, I suppose. <laughs> we'll be at, we'll be in the background for last. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be holding the reflector for now. It'll <laughs> be front center soon enough. <laughs> Well, any, any final words or anything uh, we can leave on? Or are you guys just ready to go to bed and leave us? No, I heard you had pie. That's oh, yeah, yeah. After the podcast. Yeah, so that, you make us stay. I did. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's how we got the staple podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Threaten any triathlete with dessert and they're going to hang out until it's out. <laughs> uh, I'd like to say thanks very much for having us on. And I'd love meeting new athletes and getting to know all the personalities and the dedication that you guys have to the sport and what you want to do with your careers is inspiring. Well, thank you. Cool. Oh, nice. wow, that's so, deep. <laughs> we, we've learned a lot from already, so uh, you're going to have to stick around. Yeah, and you just earned yourself another piece of pie. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, everyone, right. for checking in. Um, more to come next week, and then uh, you, can, you can frig off. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>